today's scripture comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. The vision of God in the temple. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. I lifted up, and his train built the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet. And one called to another and said, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. echo the sentiment. I find this to be one of the most overwhelming passages in all of scripture and to preach it um, certainly makes arise in me feelings of fear and trembling. So today's text is a big one, perhaps one of the most famous from the Hebrew scriptures. It takes place just after King Uzziah's death. Uzziah reigned for 52 years, and under his leadership, Judah prospered. The economy thrived, Jerusalem's walls were rebuilt, desert areas were reclaimed, and the nation was safe. Judah's prosperity was ascribed to the king's fidelity to God. However, at the end of his reign, Uzziah became proud and attempted to burn incense in the temple, a job reserved only for priests. When the priests tried to send him out and remind him of his role, he became angry with them and was immediately struck with leprosy, of which he soon after died. As Kristen Emery Saldine puts it, Uzziah forgot that he was an earthly king. He challenged the sacred worship of the temple and lost. 
As mighty as he was, Uzziah was no match for the Lord, and his arrogance led to his death. So in the time after the king died, Isaiah was called to become a prophet to his people. His call narrative is one of the best known in the biblical texts and shares many similarities with other call narratives. In these short eight verses, we find a three-part transformation, including repentance, forgiveness, and call. Let's look to the text. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. In Saldine's words, prophets are often called to speak the word of the Lord to those who have forgotten the distinction between holy and human. The sudden shift from from the historical reference to Uzziah to the heavenly throne of God is meant to set us on edge. God is holy, we are not. What's more frightening is God's words to Moses years before likely echoing in Isaiah's mind, no one shall see me and live. This is a moment of terror, for God's holiness is not something to be taken for granted, even in a prophetic vision. Verse 2, seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. Seraphs are fiery, winged attendants to the throne of God. In fact, the root from which seraph comes means he burns. So seraph literally means like fiery angel. Seraphs are huge and terrifying These six-winged creatures covered themselves, faces and feet, presumably from witnessing God's holiness with four of their wings, and with two of their wings they flew near the throne. But their job was to testify to God's holiness. And how did they do it? They sang. Verse 3 goes on, One called to another and sang, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth. Is full of his glory. In rounds, then, as one called to the other, these heavenly beings testified to God's holiness over and over again in a cyclical manner. And to think we often sing that hymn based on the angelic song with such bland lethargy. In Isaiah's vision, the response to the song we read in verse 4 is thus The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called and the house filled with smoke. If I were Isaiah, witnessing only the hem of a robe so large it filled the temple, hearing the seraphim's song ringing in my ears, feeling the floor reverberate with their music, I would be rightly terrified. And that is before the temple filled with smoke. In response to his awe at God's holiness, Isaiah responds, Woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When forced to reckon with the scene before him, Isaiah's response is one of repentance. The distance between holy goodness and human goodness is so immense that Isaiah must recognize the space between who he is and who he is called to be. Saldine writes, We are sinners, we dwell among sinners, and we live in sin-filled times. 
Too often we do not recognize this until it is forced upon us. And there's nothing like an encounter with the divine to shatter our self-centeredness and bring us to our knees in lament. And lament, Isaiah does. Lament is an important expression of grief, one we too little utilize. Our culture does not make space for grieving over brokenness, whether it is the brokenness of relationship or sin or death. Lament is important, but it is important too that once we have engaged with our grief, we move through the paralysis it so often produces in our lives. When guilt, shame, and grief immobilize us, God is kind to carry us through, as God does here for Isaiah in verses 6 and 7. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. After the repentance comes absolution. Isaiah here receives formal release from his sin. Now, I cannot exactly imagine what it is like to have live coals placed on my lips or how I could proclaim what Isaiah says next with a mouth blackened and blistered by God's holiness. It is important to note here that forgiveness and absolution is always already God's work. Paralyzed as we often are by the weight of our guilt and shame, we often become stuck in that space. For Isaiah, the presence of God in the vision and the action of this fiery creature of heaven move the would-be prophet from the place of confession to the place of calling, as we will see in verse 8. Confession is an important part of our process, recognizing how we have fallen short of God's call to holiness and one we should take seriously. But we ought also take God's response to us, the acceptance of our absolution, equally seriously and perhaps more seriously. Accepting the healing truth God offers is an act of courage, for it requires us to believe something different about ourselves. It requires us to look at ourselves rightly and soberly, to believe in God's truth that we are both forgivable and forgiven. In holy love and holy wisdom, God has already provided the means of restoration for us. When we recognize that truth, we are to answer God's call as Isaiah does in verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. This is the vibrancy and potency of God's forgiveness. When faced with God's holiness, when the depth of our sin is set before our eyes, even then, especially then, God's forgiveness leads to restoration and new beginnings. It is that forgiveness that allows us to respond to God's call. It is that forgiveness that draws us into holy service, draws our attention to the needs of the world beyond our own. The gift of repentance leads to restoration, which leads to service. As we come to the communion table today, then, we come in recognition of the gift that is offered to us. 
in the company of one another before God, we confess that we are a people of unclean lips, yet we have seen the Lord. We receive holy absolution and restoration symbolized by bread and cup. As we taste the bread and drink the cup, we too may experience what it is that our guilt has departed and our sin been blotted out. And having received such a precious gift, we too may respond, here I am, send me. May we choose repentance today, repentance that calls us to see ourselves and our impact rightly. May we choose life today, Life that calls us to prophesy God's promise of restoration to a world desperate for hope. May we choose courage today. Courage to say yes to wherever God is calling us to go. Amen.